So good. Do you guys know it? Okay, so I'm trying to figure out how to do this. If you're playing and making noise, I can't. <laughs> I was thinking about, um, let me see. If we had the children come up front, let me see. And you guys could, you guys know how to say hallelujah, right? Abigail, you know how to say hallelujah? Blake, let's get Blake, Brad, Benny, um, the Schroeder boys back there, and Lexa. You guys are going to come up front here, and I'm going to have you help me say hallelujah. Can you come up here? Brad, come on. Where's Luke? Come on, Abigail. You're red as a beet. Okay. You know, if you, if you go to Thailand, they're going to make you get up front no matter what. <laughs> then what are you going to do? All right. You guys said hallelujah before? Did you say it? Hallelujah? Okay. So it goes, God is so good, God is so good, and then we're all going to say hallelujah. Like, we're, you sing it. Hallelujah. Okay? So you guys just listen. When I say that, that's what your guys' part is. Really loud. Just Hallelujah. Okay. Oh, hey, hold up there. There's one sitting back there yet. There's like three sitting back there yet. Come on, Eden. You know, I used to have hair like that. What's your name? Why, Lucas. What? Lucas. Lucas? Yeah. You going to come up here, Lucas? No? Yes? No. Okay. All right. God is so good, hallelujah, God is so good, hallelujah, God is so good, He's so good to me, He answers prayer, hallelujah, He answers prayer, hallelujah, He answers prayer. Job. All right, you guys go sit down for a couple minutes. <laughs> Is God a good God to you this morning?
my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. What do you think it means to seal your heart? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have had that in. Mm-hmm. What do you think of when you think of a seal? A stamp? I always think of a letter wax, you know, on, a, on an old kingly letter, you know, they pour the wax over it and then they stamp it with their ring. That's what I think of when I think of sealed for God, like sealed with Christ. It's he poured his blood and then he stamped it and dare anyone to, to break that seal. It's sealed for him and him alone. Mm. Oh, don't even get me started on the Holy Spirit as a youth male right now. I'm like... Um, where is that at in Ephesians? Man, how do I not remember that out of Ephesians? I love Ephesians.
this morning that you are our Lord and our Savior. Lord, there is none but you that can truly take away the sin that we are born with, that we are born into. There is none that can cover us, seal us for eternity other than you. And Lord, would our eyes be fixed towards you? Would we look towards you as the author and the finisher of our faith, as the only one who can repair the damage that we are. And Lord, I just thank you this morning for the blood that is shed, that we can be washed whiter than snow. And Lord, as it's only you who has conquered death, it is only you who has died but risen again, Lord, that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And Lord, I pray that we would just always focus our eyes upon you and look to you. Thank you, Father, for your body, for your church. God, I thank you that you haven't left us here as orphans, but that you sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to guide us to all truth, to lead you to you, and you have also given us brothers and sisters, and I thank you so much for your family, for the body of Christ. I pray, God, that we as um, a local body here that our hearts would be even more sold out completely to you, Father, and that you would give us boldness to share the good news with our friends and our neighbors and um, everyone that we meet, Father, that they would see Jesus and the words that would come out of our mouths would be your words. I pray, God, that you would bless us and keep us today. We seek you. We know without your presence here, um, there's no point to even being here, but I thank you that you are here with us and that your Holy Spirit is working in our hearts. Change us, God, today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
I gain from his reward. I 
story. How's that say? It's an oldie but a goodie, as they used to, um, what was that, uh, little rascals used to say. It's an oldie but a goodie. I think it is. Heard an old, old story. How oh, this, you're in the wrong key. <laughs> Oh, my love. 
Okay, the children come forward, and we got a new song to sing with you. I mean, it's not one that you haven't sang before. in Veggie Tales? Well, it's a great source of biblical knowledge, <laughs> is Veggie Tales. Pun intended. <laughs> so what happened? Why did God send an ark? Or why did Noah build an ark? Why? Okay, you think that was Noah's idea? Okay, so why was there going to be a flood? Wash away the animals' sins? People. To wash away their sins or to wash them away? The wickedness, yeah, I mean, God wanted to cleanse the world of wickedness, so he sent a flood, covered the whole face of the earth. It's a lot of water. Yeah, I figured that was going to be a problem, but I ain't done talking yet. Um, okay, so what did, what did Noah have to get first? Hmm, don't know. He prayed, okay. Yep. Well, what did he have to do first? Had to build an ark. What did he use? Barky, barky. <laughs> this song's a little messed up, right? It's Veggie Tales. All right. And then how many animals did he take of each? Toosie woozies, exactly. All right. And how many days did it? How many? How many daisy daisies did it rain? Close. Nope, further away. You're dead on. Good job. All right. Okay, you guys all going to get this? I'm watching you. You ain't going to get much done with your hands in your pocket. Hmm. You know, that's always what my dad said. If he still had me standing around with my hands in my pocket, I'm supposed to be doing something. He ain't getting nothing done. But it sure is a convenient place to put your hands, ain't it? All right. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory.
send them by twosies, woosies, guards, or door. To send them by twosies, woosies, elephants and kangaroosies, oozies, children of the Lord. It rained and poured for forty daisies, daisies, rained and poured for forty daisies, daisies, nearly drove those animals crazy, crazy children of the literally made sure I could not sing the last verse because it was hilarious and she tore it off sorry yeah I was kind of going to do it anyway but she made sure I couldn't sorry on another day I'll I'll make a different one for you guys on that all right Jesus loves me Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. What's another important song we have to sing? Not that one, Benny. We don't know how to sing that one. That one's in Thai or Korean. I have no idea how to sing it. Maybe someday you'll be able to come back and teach it to them. But then you can play guitar. Um, what's, a, what's a song you like to hear every year? Just brings great joy to your heart once a year. You don't know? Every single one. Hmm. No. What's one song that just makes you so excited in anticipation of sweet things and gifts? Jingle bells. Jingle bells. <laughs> Not quite, but close, John, close. Happy birthday? Oh. My wife was even confused. <laughs> Except we become as little children. <laughs> All right. Derek, do you have a slide? Or Noah, who's running it back there? Nobody's got a birthday this month? Lucas, you got a birthday this month? How old are you going to be? Five? That's a handful. I mean, you're already a handful, but that's really going to be a handful. Right? Good. You want to come up and help us sing happy birthday? 
Nope. Can we sing happy birthday for you? What day is your birthday on? April 9th. Okay. Do we have all the names of whose birthdays are this month? Nope. Nope. There we go. Oh, my. Poor Lee's going to be old. Papa, you're even older. 70 this year, right, Papa? 70? Wow. Christy, Dave. Dave, you, you're past your 40s now, aren't you? You're in your 40s? Yeah. Um, and Caden. I mean, what are you, Dave? Are you 40? 48? Man, you're a young 48, Dave. You're welcome. I expect a compliment in return someday. All right. So you guys sing happy birthday with me? I don't even know if we can do this. Remember last time how bad we failed? Happy birthday to you. Oh, that was low. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to everyone. Happy birthday to you. May the good Lord bless you. May the good Lord bless you. May the good Lord and keep you. Happy birthday to you. Uh, we used to sing a monkey version of that. Oh, here's, here it is. Okay. My wife's not going to help me, though. We're on our own, boys. Okay. You guys want to sing one more verse to that song? Because this one just makes, this one, they're really trying hard to rhyme. Let's put it that way. All right. Oh, we'll sing that chorus again. So rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Makes a lot of sense, right? All right, who's on for children's lesson this morning? John is. All right.
guys a story, okay? <clears throat> it's called Jesus and the Children. Mark and Sarah were waiting with mother and baby Esther to see Jesus. Other children were waiting with their mothers. Jesus' helpers frowned at them. Can't you see that Jesus is busy? He has no time for you children. Mark and Sarah and mother with baby Esther turned slowly away. Mark hung his head and watched the dust of the past squish up between his brown toes. And Sarah looked back at Jesus. A tear ran down her cheek. Then they heard Jesus say to his helpers, Bring the little children unto me and forbid them not. All the children ran to Jesus. Jesus took baby Esther on his lap. He smiled and touched Sarah's cheek where the tear had run down. He put his hand on Mark's head. The children took turns standing close to Jesus. He told them stories. On the way home, Mark whistled a happy tune. Sarah skipped ahead, and then she waited and took Mother's hand. I wish we could see Jesus every day, she said. Maybe, said Mother, maybe soon Jesus will come to the temple. One day, Mark and Sarah heard people singing the Hosanna song. They ran to see why the people were singing. They saw Jesus riding on a colt, coming down the road. People were laying their coats on the road for him to ride on. Boys were waving palm branches and shouting. Girls were tossing flowers and singing. May we go with Jesus? asked Mark. May we? said Sarah. Mark's father cut a palm branch for him, and Mark waved his palm branch and shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Hosanna! Hosanna! Sarah tossed her flowers on the road and sang, Hosanna! Hosanna! It was like a big parade. It made Jesus happy to hear the children shout and sing. The parade came to the top of a hill. Jesus stopped the colt and looked down over the hill. The boys stopped waving their palm branches and looked. The girls stopped tossing their flowers and looked. All the people stopped and looked down over the hill. What, they, what did they see down over the hill? There was a brook down over the hill, a sing-along, laugh-along brook. But they were not looking at the brook. There was a city with a high stone wall down over the hill. But they were not looking at the city with the high stone wall. They were looking at the temple, the white marble temple, shining like a big snow castle in the afternoon sun. Everyone, yes, everyone, had stopped at the top of the hill to look at the temple, the beautiful temple. The next day, Mark and Sarah and many other children went with Jesus and his friends to the temple. But when they got there, the sounds coming from the temple didn't sound like a temple at all. There was no sound of singing and praying. It wasn't quiet-like and hush-like, with people tiptoeing when they walked. Instead, there was a terrible rackety noise. Traders had brought to the temple cattle and sheep and doves to sell for offerings. They shouted, Buy cattle for your offering! Buy sheep for your offering! Buy doves for your offering! Money changers were there, clinking their money. It didn't seem like a temple at all. Not at all. It was like a noisy marketplace. Jesus stood in the doorway. The cattle traders looked at him. The sheep traders looked at him. The dove traders looked at him. They all stopped their shouting and selling. The money changers stopped clinking their money. Everyone looked at Jesus and waited to see what he would do. Jesus raised his arm. He said, Take these things out of here! Such a hurry and a scurrying. The traders hustled the cattle out. They rushed the sheep out. They grabbed the dove cages and ran. The money changers didn't even stop to pick up their money. All the grown-up people ran away from Jesus. But the children didn't run away from Jesus. Mark and Sarah and all the children crowded close around him. Jesus told them stories. He took the little ones on his knee. A little boy went to sleep on his lap. 
Then the sick people came to Jesus. A boy with a hurt leg came hobbling up on crutches. Jesus put his hand on his hurt leg and made it well. The boy threw away his crutches. Now he could walk. He could run. He could jump. A father and mother brought their sick little girl to Jesus. She was so sick they carried her in a hammock. Jesus took her small thin hand in his. He said, Be well, little girl. The little girl sat up and smiled. She was well. A boy led a blind man to Jesus. The blind man's eyes were tight shut. He had never seen a tree or a house, not anything. Jesus made his eyes see, and the first thing the blind man ever saw was the lovely face of Jesus. The children were so happy when they saw the sick people made well, they again waved palm branches and sang the Hosanna song. The grown-up people who had run away came back. They looked in the temple doors and heard the children singing. They said to Jesus, Make the children be still. But Jesus liked to hear the children sing. He didn't want them to be still. It was time to close the temple doors. Tomorrow the children would come back to hear more stories. Jesus wanted them to come. He had said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. Good morning to each and every one. Uh, glad to have Brother Vern here with us. And, and glad to, I'm sorry, your name? Ellick, nice to have you here as well. So, <clears throat> just for the following for the order of the service, uh, we'll have in the communion uh, here after the uh, main message, Brother Phil be bringing us the uh, sermon. Uh, there is a new meal plan, so feel free to stay around for that, please, and, and enjoy that with us. This week, um, the men's um, Bible book meeting is canceled for this week. Um, as Brother Phil, he is heading out tomorrow night, Phil. Uh, Phil's headed out tomorrow night for about a week and a half, going over to uh, Melbourne, right? Brisbane. Okay. And so it's like a 18 to plus hour difference. So it'd be a long, long flight travels over there. And he'll be gone for about a week and a half. So uh, let's keep him in our prayers. Uh, for next Sunday is uh, Easter Sunday. And we've been kind of talking a little bit about uh, possibly doing a little earlier service, potentially next weekend. And maybe doing like a breakfast type of meal. But anyway, we'll keep you informed on that as uh, probably here within the next day or two. Uh, so be tuned into your the WhatsApp, the church chat. Also, the youth retreat looks like we have the date for August 9 to 13. So if you know anyone that would be um, interested, please feel free to in please do share the word and get the word out and that way we can get it filled up. Anyway, um, I think Angel's not here. We were planning to, uh, he wanted an anointing this morning. He's having an eye surgery, I think tomorrow or so, uh, but obviously they're not here. But, um, but we just wanted to pray for them and, uh, as he goes through this time. And then um, maybe Brother Phil has also requested prayer um, for him and his family. 
while he's gone and with his travels and everything, and I think he's also sharing over there uh, with the brethren. And so maybe uh, you elders, uh, the ministry team, you just want to come up and we'll just have a, a prayer for Brother Phil and then also for uh, Angel. Father in heaven, we just want to uh, we uh, lift up Brother Phil to you, Father. Lord, as he uh, travels, ac travels across the country to minister your word, I just pray you go before him, and Lord, just uh, clear the path for him, and I just pray the power of the darkness be defeated in every way, and Lord, I just pray that you be with Katie and the boys at home, give them grace, and Lord... Uh, time a week and a half without dad lord i just pray you'd comfort them bless them father and uh lord i just pray that this time could be a time of uh for brother phil as well as he shares your word but it also be a time of encouragement for him as well lord i just want to uh commit him into your care Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity that we have, Lord, of brothers and sisters around the world and the fellowship that we have because of that. And Lord, I just pray that as Phil goes, Lord, that he would empty himself of himself. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just fill him. And Lord, that he would speak with words that are not of himself, not of his own knowledge or anything that he himself has done. But Lord, what you have done in him and through him, Lord, that that would come out. And, Lord, that as your Holy Spirit speaks, it would be, as the Bible says, apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Would it fit to exactly what they are going through there, to their life of what God is teaching each and every one that hears? And, Lord, as they, as they hear your word, that it would be, as, um, as it says in Scripture, that it brings to remembrance, Lord, of who you are, of what you are doing, what you have done. And, Lord, that they would be strengthened in themselves, Lord, that they would be strengthened because of you. And Lord, I just pray that it would be a time of of looking to a Savior. And Lord, it's not about a man, it's not about Phil, but Lord, I just pray that you would use him through this time. Amen. Lord, also for Katie and the boys as they are here, Lord, I just pray that they would also be strengthened. And Lord, as, as um, they continue their life and their walk with you and as they uh, pray for their dad and their husband, Lord, I just pray that they would know you better and come to see you more. Lord, we just ask for traveling safety also for Phil. Lord, that you would protect him and, and keep him. And Lord, that the flights would go well for him and um, everything would uh, just line up as you would have it. And Lord, that the peace of God would just reign in his heart and all things. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for Phil and his willingness, Lord, to go to Australia, Lord. Preach the gospel there, Lord. I just pray that you would be with him, Lord, and protect him, Lord. And 
Help him, Lord, just to trust in the Lord Jesus, Lord. And I have to think of the words of Jesus, Lord. Greater love has no man than this, that a man is willing to lay down his life for his friends, Lord. And I know Jesus did that. And I know, Phil, Lord, you're willing to do that also, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that that the, that the Lord would bless you abundantly, Lord, as you go and sacrifice your family and, and uh, the security of home life. Just, Lord, help him, Lord, to just be able to minister there, Lord, and just bless him as he goes, Lord. And just be with Katie. Lord, I thank you for Katie and the boys, Lord. And, and just pray that you would uh, help them, Lord, continue with the business, Lord, and strengthen them. When daddy's not home here, Lord, just give them grace, Lord, as you see fit, Lord. Just bless them, Jesus' name. Lord, I just thank you for the Lap family and giving them to us in this church here, Lord. I just pray for Phil, Lord, that not only would he be a light there to in Australia, Lord, that they would be a light to him as well, Lord, that you would just reveal yourself to Phil in new ways, Lord. And please just bless him and give him a refreshing trip as well. And I just pray for Katie and the boys, Lord, that you will just watch over and protect them and that you will just bless them as well, Lord, and uh, that you will just uh, give them all a new revelation of you, Lord. We just thank you for what a good God you are and how, how much you love us, Lord. Please just uh, traveling mercies over Phil, Lord, and please just keep him safe on his travels as well, Lord. In Jesus' name. Father, I just, I thank you so much, Lord, for Angel and, uh, Lord, the fellowship that we have with him. And I just pray, Lord, this morning that you would just touch him and, Lord, that you would heal him, Lord. And I know that he is going in for eye surgery tomorrow. And, Lord, I just pray that you would use the doctors, Lord, that you would uh, steady their hands and, Lord, that his life would be better because of this surgery. And, Lord, that you would just heal him. Lord, I know that many times... You do the healing, but also, Lord, many times you use doctors to help you and to do this. And I just pray, Lord, that this would be a time of spiritual strengthening for him and his wife as they rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for coming. And uh, this time we'll turn it over to Brother Phil. So let's continue to pray for uh, Angel as he has surgery tomorrow. He was also going to ask for uh, a volunteer to take him to the eye surgery, uh, the surgeon's office in Fort Collins. And uh, I don't know if he found somebody or, or what. So I'll, I'll, I'll give him a call this afternoon and, and see if I can touch base with him. But he had told me he was going to ask if any of you brothers would volunteer to take him. It would... It's going to be, I think, at 10.30 or something like that and last about an hour and a half or so. But I'll, I'll find out the details, and if he's still looking for it, I'll put it on the church WhatsApp. Uh, and if any of you brothers want to take him. I, I was planning on taking him, but my flight to Australia is tomorrow afternoon, and so uh, tomorrow evening, but I need to go to the airport in the afternoon already. Just to give you a little bit more of a... Um, uh, to share with you uh, what's going on. The, the churches in, in Australia, there are three churches that we fellowship together with. One is in, in Brisbane, which is on the northeast side of the country. The other one is in Melbourne, down on the south part of Australia. 
And that's where Brother Daniel and Sister Adina were from. Uh, Brother Daniel shared the word here with us a few weeks ago. Uh, and then there's a, a church in, on the West Coast in Perth. And so once a year on Easter weekend, uh, they invite uh, a lot of folks and those churches come together and they have a conference. They rent uh, a large facility, kind of like a compound with dormitories and so on. And the conference starts on Friday and goes through Monday. So uh, they asked me to come and share the word with them this weekend, that weekend, and to fellowship with them. It'll be the second time that I've been to Australia, to all three churches, three years ago. Um, I, I, some of us, Brother Kerry, and, and there were, I think, five or six of us brothers that went. And we visited the church in Brisbane. And then I flew over to Perth and visited the church there and then to Melbourne for the next weekend. And so it's, it's with, uh, with anticipation and joy that I, I'm looking forward to going. I'm not looking forward to leaving my family or you guys in the long flight there, but I am looking forward to the fellowship and to seeing many of the brothers and sisters that I had got to meet uh, a few years ago. For a word this morning, you can open up your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. As I was seeking the Lord for a word to share and, and also for what he had to shared to me, in particular as we were preparing ourselves to, again, commune together around the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the Lord brought this word to my heart. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren. That word holy is the word clean. Therefore, those of you who are God's people, you're clean. And Jesus said in John 15, you are clean through the word which I spoke to you. Did you know this book, the words of Jesus have a cleansing power in our life. They cleanse our thought life. You having problems with your thought life? Always naturally just wanting to go dirty on you or accusing or perhaps just negative thoughts or depressing thoughts. The words that Jesus speaks to us, they cleanse our thought life. Are you having problems with your dreams, tormenting you, depressing you? This book, the words of Jesus will change your dream thoughts. They do. For real, I can testify to that. There were many years in my Christian life that I grew up struggling with dreams. You know, dreams for many, many of us, they just come out of nowhere. It's not even something you thought about the day before, perhaps. But it just, you wake up and you had a bad dream, we call it. And you kind of wake up with a hangover. You know, it's like a cloudy day. You wake up and it's just dreary and cold and cloudy outside and you feel a little depressed and you have to wake yourself up and kind of get your day started with a cup of coffee or, you know, with, with a cup of tea or, or, or breakfast, something to kind of cheer you up and distract you from the cloudy gloominess that you're feeling, unless you're one of those people that love to live in Portland or London where you like that kind of weather. This is how these dreams can be to us in our spirits. And so we do things on purpose to overcome the bad dream, we call it. But I want to share a secret with you this morning. Therefore, holy brethren, 
clean. You know why you're clean? Because Jesus' word cleanses our dream life. I want to encourage you, if you are struggling with dreams that torment your conscience, that cleanse, that, that kind of make you feel depressed and defile you, go to bed reading God's Word. It's not an immediate cure. It's not like a Tylenol that takes away your headache in 15 minutes. But it's like taking vitamins that strengthen your body and they supplement and strengthen your spirit. That's what God's word does to us. I urge you because this is one way the devil torments God's people many times. is through dreams. He knows if he can't get us in our conscious awaking moments, he's going to try to torment us through our dreams and cause us to doubt who God is or doubt his power in my life or cause us just to wake up struggling with our attitude because Philippians chapter 2 says have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus and the devil does everything he can to cause that attitude to evaporate to just leave us and he knows it torments our spirits plagues us Therefore, holy brethren, he cleanses our thought life, but he does more than that. He cleanses our bodies because now our body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter six. Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you are bought with a price? That means my body is the place where God wants to dwell. The temple was where God dwelt. Now the Holy Spirit indwells me, this body, and he calls it my temple. God looks at your body and my body and says, you're my dwelling place. So I'm going to clean up your body. Yep, he wipes our noses. He cleans our eyes. He cleanses our ears. He cleanses our hearts. In Hebrews, he says, he cleanses our conscience from guilt. Very important cleansing. And he also cleanses us from dead works. Doing things on purpose to gain God's favor. It's a dead work. Means nothing to God. And it won't bring the Holy Spirit's attention to us or his love for us at all. It's something that simply is us trying to gain God's favor and God's favor is not gained that way anymore. It used to be, but not no longer. God loves us because of Jesus Christ. That's all. That's the only reason. He has set his love upon us and he forgives my sin only because Jesus died on the cross and was willing to pay the debt of the guilt of my sin. And there's nothing I can do to earn it. It's very, very clearly written to us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves... 
It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. If you are trying to please God by works, things you do, you will never please Him. Never. Not of works, as a result of works, so that no one should boast. There is no one that can say, I please God more because of what I do. There's no one that can boast. I got God's favor because I did this or that. No. It takes away all competition in God's family. Do you think that Michael and Lucas could earn my love a greater, more of my favor by things they do? If so, there would be tremendous competition between them, constantly trying to get more of dad's attention or dad's favor or dad's love by things they do. And then they could boast to each other and say, dad loves me more because I do this or that and you don't. They could boast about it, but they can't do that because I love them exactly the same because God has put a love on my heart so that we adopted them and we, I, Katie and I set our love upon them and they are our children and they can never earn it. They can't do anything to cause me to love them more. I tell them this all the time. There's nothing you can do to cause me to love you more. Now you can make me happy or you can make me sad. If you please me, you'll make me happy, and I'll praise you. If you disobey, it'll make me sad, and I'll have to discipline you and train you. But that discipline and training is also my love. It's not a punishment. It's because I love you. And there's nothing you can do to increase that love in my heart. It's there. The cup is full. God has put his love upon me. To love you this way, even more so importantly, God himself has set his love upon us through Jesus Christ. And there's nothing we can do to earn his love. It becomes a dead work. And there's another word that Hebrews 12 uses, a dead weight. A dead weight. Now, if you guys want to run a race, are you going to wear... High heels, ladies? Are you going to wear cowboy boots, men, or shoes like this? No. We dress specifically lightweight running shoes, and we're not going to wear a big overcoat and a thick hat, and we're not going to wear, you know, real thick insulated pants, trousers, or dresses or no we're gonna we're gonna wear as little clothes as possible and still be modest so that we have the less weight the better so we can especially if you want to win right that's how the christian is to live this trying to please the lord is you lay off the weights those dead works will weigh you down in your relationship with jesus christ he wants us to be clean from them.
to cleanse us. Therefore, holy brethren. Back to Hebrews chapter 3. Partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. Consider Jesus this morning, holy brethren and sisters, partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of your confession, of my confession. He, Jesus, was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. If you walk, drive by or walk by a very nice, beautiful home, and you admire it, and its structural beauty, and its architectural beauty. And they go, that's a nice house. Don't you wonder who the builder was? Well, the builder wants you to know who it was, because while they're building that house, he'll put his name out on the front on a sign to let everyone know, this is who's building this house. So who gets the glory, the house or the builder? The builder gets more glory than the house itself. And the builder gets business that way. You might also want a house to look like that. And if you have the money to, you would probably call up that builder and say, will you come build me a house? I've seen that house and it looks beautiful. Would you design my house and build it? I hear it was built well. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. How much more glory? How much more worth is Jesus than Moses to you? You know what I found interesting in my Christian life and as I listen to many other Christians? Many Christians are more fascinated with Moses than with Jesus. They read the books of Moses. They talk about the law that God gave through Moses. But Jesus, the one who is the architect and the builder of what Moses built, gets less glory in their life. Is that so in your life? Do you read less of Jesus' words and more of Moses? It's likewise with Apostle Paul's writings. I see that many Christians are fascinated with Paul's writings and his epistles, but less with Jesus. I've seen this potential even in my life. And you know what it does? It brings the glory of the life of Jesus and makes it less in my life. I live less of the words that Jesus spoke, and I try to live more of the words Moses spoke. There are Christians who celebrate Passover 
for instance, they celebrate Passover because they like the rituals that come with it. All the, you know, the unleavened bread and, the, and, and all of the things that Passover brought to people to worship God. People are still fascinated with tangible, real stuff. Moses' day, if you wanted to meet God, you had to go to the tabernacle. Do you know how many Christians today believe that if they need to meet God, they have to come to a church building? Somehow God is in this building. They feel the presence of God more here than they do in their body, wherever they are. That's lifting up Moses higher than Jesus. Because Jesus said very clearly in John chapter 4 to the woman at the well who wanted to argue with Jesus, well, you Jews say in Jerusalem is the place we ought to worship. Our fathers said on this mountain we should worship. And Jesus said, I tell you, woman, the day has come and is coming when men will not worship in Jerusalem nor on this mountain, but God is looking for men and women who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. True worship is in here, your spirit. God is not worshipped in a building anymore. But many Christians still elevate Moses' style of worship rather than Jesus and His words. I found this true in my life for years. Somehow I... I would dress up and feel more holy. And I would even do this at times. I found me, myself doing this. Well, because, you know, I take a shower Sunday mornings. I dress up Sunday mornings to go meet God. And so, you know what else I started doing? Started confessing my sins for the past week and saying, Oh, God, you know, maybe I ought to cleanse myself a little here. Read the Bible that Sunday morning and, and somehow realign my spirit because I'm going to the house of God. Do you find yourself doing that? God lives within you. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the presence of God is as real in here on a Tuesday night as He is on a Sunday morning at midnight as he is at noontime. God's presence, God is looking for people he can live within. Jesus said, you go everywhere looking. When in the last days, Jesus said in Matthew 24 and in Luke chapter 22, I think it is, this will happen in the last days. People will say, Jesus is over there. There's a revival going on in the school in Kentucky. Thousands of Christians flock over there. For what? Jesus is there. Special. Jesus is there. This, we're going to see this happening all over the world. Jesus is there. You ought to go there to meet Jesus. You should go there. Jesus said, don't go. That's what he said. Do not go. I'm not over there. I'm not here. The kingdom of God is within you. Meet me in your spirit. You see, the reason we Christians do that is because when I go someplace to meet God, I can come back home 
and live my life. I can still hide my sin. I can still do my own will. I can still fight with my wife or my children. I can still go to work and, you know, say a few curse words when I get angry or, you know, tell, tell that person off. I can still get in the car and I can drive like the road is mine and everyone else should respect me and get out of my way because I'm late and I'm in a hurry. I can live my own life. Do my will. And Jesus is over there. He's in the church building on Sunday morning. I'll cleanse myself then and come worship him. This is how Moses and the children of Israel lived under Moses. It was only once a year they got to have their sins forgiven. Only once a year that they could bring a sacrifice and the high priest would go and make atonement for their sin. The rest of the year... They could sin like they wanted to, as long as it wasn't too bad, you know, that God would discipline them. But they could do their own life. But when God's kingdom, when Jesus comes and he becomes the apostle and the high priest of my faith, he moves inside my heart. And he says, I want to be worshipped, not on Sunday morning, yes, there too. When God's people do get together. We are called to get together to encourage one another. But Jesus says, I want to be worshipped in your spirit every day, every night, all the time. I'm your God. That is more glory than Moses. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God, who's Creation are you. Who created you? He built your body. Does he not have the right now to live in it? Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son of over his house, whose house we are. If, only if, don't miss the if, you're not God's house, if this isn't true. If we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm unto the end. How do you do that? How do you hold fast this confident love and the hope that he has given you of his love in your heart? He tells us in Romans chapter 5 that this hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Here's our confidence, dear brothers and sisters. And this is our only hope. Verse 8. Or seven. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was Angry 
with this generation and said, they always go astray where? In the temple? In their heart. In their heart. Isaiah said, God through Isaiah said to Israel, at a time when Uzziah, Hezekiah, righteous kings were ruling, God spoke these words to Israel, and Jesus quoted it in Matthew 15 to the scribes and Pharisees. It was still true about the Christians on the earth back then, God's people. He said, you worship me with your lips, and you do all these works, but your heart is far away from me. Your heart is far away from me. Jeremiah put it this way. The prophet Jeremiah. In the days of Israel. In Jeremiah chapter 3. Then the Lord said to me in the days of Josiah the king. Was Josiah an evil king or a righteous king? Hmm? No, he was a righteous king. Sorry, you're mistaken. He was so righteous that he restored worship. You can read about this in first, second kings, second kings, and also in second chronicles. He was more righteous of a king than even David. In this way, he restored worship. Back to the temple, the word of God was read to him at a young age. I think he was 16 when he was anointed as king. And a priest came and read the Bible to him, the law of Moses. And so they cleansed the temple. They restored all the worship. And it tells us there was not so great of a feast and worship in the temple since the days of Samuel. That's how righteous Josiah was. But in those days, the Lord said through Jeremiah, then the Lord said to me in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen what faithless Israel did? She went up on every high hill and under every green tree. She was a harlot there. And I thought after she has done all these things, she will return to me, but she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw that for all the adulteries of faithless Israel, I had sent her away and given her a right of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she went and was a harlot also. And it came about because of the lightness of her harlotry that she polluted the land and committed adultery stones and trees. He's talking about worship. The adultery he's talking about here is you're going and worshiping stones and trees. Things created rather than the creator. And yet in spite of all this, verse 10, her treacherous sister Judah did not return to me with all her heart, but rather in deception, says the Lord. Josiah did something that was unique to him. I don't know that any other king had ever done this. I'm not exactly sure, but it's not, it wasn't common even for David. 
Josiah said, made this decree to all of Israel, and he said, if you guys don't come, whoever doesn't come and worship God here in this temple will be killed. His house will be torn down, he'll be destroyed, and they're going to be killed. Now, who wouldn't go worship? Everybody went. Outwardly. But he couldn't take their hearts with them. And that's why God looked on their hearts and seen they were still worshiping all the created things rather than the Creator. But they did it because they were afraid they were going to be killed. You know how many Christians worship God because they're afraid of other people? They come to church because of what people will say or other people will think. Or maybe they belong to a church that says, you better be coming to church on Sunday morning or the preacher's going to call you. Where are you? And because to please people, they come to church. But their heart is not there. They're still after their own life after their own things. The heart is thinking about money, their businesses on their mind, or, or other relationships. Or, and as soon as church is over, where's the food? The heart may be on the food, but it's not in worship where Jesus is the apostle and high priest, the maker of the house, yet is getting the glory of the house. So, how do we give him this attention, this worship? Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 12, take care, brethren, lest there should be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm unto the end. How do you hold fast? He repeats himself. While it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. And so I want to encourage you this morning to worship the Lord Jesus is when you hear him speaking to you through the Holy Spirit, his words of life, through his word, he gives it to us. At midnight, or in the morning, or at night, don't harden your heart. Don't turn away. Don't procrastinate and say, I'll do it tomorrow. Then you'll become like the Israelites. Oh, I really want to do this, so I'll do it, and then I'll ask them to forgive me. Those presumptuous sins will weigh you down. And you'll start thinking, I'll go to church on Sunday and get right with God. I'll go over there and meet God. And somehow God will meet with me there on a better on a Sunday morning rather than a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning. But worship God in spirit and in truth. This is what Jesus came to do. To make possible. This is, Jesus is the only reason this is possible for you and I. Otherwise, we have Moses. 
and the law. That's all. But Jesus changed everything. And we, when we don't give him this honor, then we begin to live according to the old covenant that God had made with his people. And we worship him with that mindset. And our hearts become hardened. We'll still say the right things, but our hearts will go after our own gain, as Ezekiel says. They were more interested in their gain than in Jesus' honor. So as we come to this morning to celebrate Jesus, Jesus said when they came to the Passover in John, as it's recorded to us in the book of John, John chapter 13, now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then he continues speaking to them all these words of life in John 13, 14, 15, 16, ending with his prayer in John 17. In John 15, he says this. He's saying it to his disciples as they were sitting around the table, ready to celebrate the Passover. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. They gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me, and how, does, how do we abide in him? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you hear his voice. You don't harden your heart. His words stay in my heart. Like David even knew. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. How much did God the Father love Jesus? That's how much Jesus loves you and me. Abide in my love. This is a part of that. Abiding in God's love. I come to church not to worship God in a special way or to meet God in a special way that I don't throughout the week in all my waking hours and my sleeping hours. For He gives to His beloved even in His sleep, Psalm 127 says. 
but to fellowship. To fellowship in his love among others who also are fellowshipping in his love. That's why we come. And so prove to be his disciples. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be where? Over you? That my joy may be in heaven? Where is his joy? In you. you. Really? Is it in you? Do your children see it in you? Does your husband see it in you or your wife? Where is his joy? If it's not in here, it's because there's a lack of worship there. Don't fool yourself. If his joy is not here, it's only one reason. His words are not in there that bring joy. His words in here ring my bells. They ring the heart bells and they bring joy. He says so. Is he a liar? No. He's true. His words, the result of his words in a human heart, bring joy. Always. So if you don't have the joy of the Lord in your heart, you have an answer. Today, if you hear his voice, come for some joy. Come for some joy. He's the only one that can ring the heart bells and put his joy in here. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And that word full means running over full. Not just full to the brim. It's running over. And that's important. You know why? Because the only way people are sure that you have his joy in your heart is if it comes out. It runs over. We cannot help but speak of the things we have seen and heard. Peter and John said, when they said, shut up. No more talking about Jesus. Well, sorry if it's not pleasing to you, but I can't help it. Why? Because that was true in them. And today, God is looking for a man and a woman throughout the whole world where he can do that with. That's worship. Come, let's worship him. Father, we come to celebrate Jesus. Therefore, holy brethren, thank you, Lord, for that cleansing power of your word. But not only the cleansing power, it softens our hearts, but it puts your joy, the fruit of your spirit within our hearts. And we're here this morning not to worship you in any more special way than what we did earlier this morning or last night, but just to celebrate and to fellowship in that celebration of your finished work of salvation to us. Thanks for taking it from Moses and giving it to us in a new covenant way where we don't only need to wait for once a year to have our sins forgiven, but you forgive our sins 
every moment that we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and you forgive us our sins and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness and you fill us with your spirit, the seal of our redemption, as Carrie said this morning. So as we celebrate you this morning, oh Lord, we come with sober, thankful hearts, hearts that are clean through the word you have spoken to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go ahead and open the doors and have communion. I think some are back there that will serve us like we normally do here. You as a church know, and those of you who are visitors, we invite you to join with us. If you are born again, if this hope lies within your heart, then come and participate.